It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next album. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can with me? You really do? Anybody on your watch? Anybody in my family? No. It is Monday, April the 24th of 2023. We are T-72 hours away from the NFL Draft. Which means the return of one man to one podcast had to happen. The bat signal was thrown up. And once again, he answered the commissioner's call. It's Mark Hicks. It's the Mark Draft. It's the Hip Hop Sports World Podcast. What's going on, y'all? It's Jay Hicks back again uh, with Mark Infold. Mark, how you feeling tonight? I'm good, cousin. How you feeling? I'm feeling much better, man. I'm coming off some strep throat. I didn't know if he was going to be able to squeeze this podcast in, but you know these these other kids out here, man. I, you know, I, I was somebody. A wise person told me to blame other people's kids. Other people's <laughs> kids out here getting me strep throat. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And and right. I'm doing my best to manage. I couldn't even eat for like a, a day and a half last week. And so I'm just now coming off that. But I got my voice back and I got the swagger to go with it. So we're about to um, dive into the top 10 of the NFL draft momentarily. Um, I'm actually watching the Bucks and the Heat play game four right now. Miami somehow got back in this game. Jimmy Butler's looking like Superman. Uh, yeah, yeah. So... NBA playoffs going on. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you one minute to go on your Cleveland Cavaliers because the Cavs, as of now, are trailing three games to one in their best of seven first round series in the Eastern Conference against the New York Knickerbockers. The last time I talked to y'all, I told y'all the Cavs would win in seven. I was not going to be surprised if the Knicks won the series. I stand by those things, but... Seeing how things have unfolded to this point, if you support the Cleveland Cavaliers, it makes you want to not support the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> and I want to give you the floor, Mark. You got 60 seconds. Before we jump into the everything football, what, are your, what is your opinion on what the Cavs and Knicks are doing right now? Well, uh, contrary to uh, my brother, who I uh, we frequently talk to on uh, via text, uh, I think that the for lack of a better term, the Cavs have been been punked this series. Um, by, not necessarily 
by the Knicks per se, but I just think it's their own their own fears and ineptitude that's that's causing the problems. Um, particularly, and, and the crazy thing about it is, I, uh, I talked to my son about this. It reminds me, the Cavs roster reminds me to a certain degree of the Portland Trail Blazers when they had uh, they had Dame and had CJ. The problem with that, with a small backcourt like that, if you don't have anything offensively from the front court, that becomes a problem. And Mobley and Allen, as good as they are defensively, they they are lack a lot to be desired on the offensive end. And because they have no small forward, they really are not getting anything from their front court on a consistent basis. And that's a problem. And everything relies on the backcourt. But um, I still, I'm, agree, I'm in agreement with you. I still think they have a shot to try to come back. Um, I think they'll win uh, game five, go back to uh, New York. Game six is going to be the series. And I, and I honestly believe whoever wins that game will win, will win the series. Um, well, the Knicks will. We know that much. <laughs> we know that. Exactly. We know if the Knicks I mean, win game six, it's a wrap. What the, Knicks, what the Knicks can't do is let the Cavs win game. If they, they can't allow them to get to game six and let, and Lord forbid, lose game six because they come back to Cleveland for game seven, it's a wrap. They, the, the Knicks will fold like a like a house of cards, man. I I, I, and I truly believe that. The Knicks aren't really that good, to be honest. And I they're know not. I, they're, 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 they're not. They're not. I'm pissing off Knicks fans and all that stuff. But you know what? Your team is not that good. Your, your team is trash. Let, let, you shoot, guys listen. got the perfect matchup for for the first round. <laughs> you know you do. You got a bunch of bunch of kids or, that you're playing against that don't know anything and. You have a coach that hasn't even hasn't even really been there before either. So you have the best of both worlds, and you guys are taking advantage of it. Kudos to you, but don't act like you guys are you know you, you guys are the uh, Willis Reed Knicks of old. Okay, you guys are terrible. You guys are trash. And no matter what happens, and whether you lose, win, or lose to the Cavs, you're losing in the next round anyway. I don't care who you play, well, so it doesn't matter. Well, so I don't know. Oh, it's looking like it's going to be Miami the way Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's carrying on. Um, so I okay. So you said a lot there, and, and I'll be brief because we got a lot of football to get to. Jimmy Butler's got forty nine points. Goodness gracious! Oh my god! Um, he just wants all the points. Like he wants give me, everything. Give me all give the, me the points. Um, give me the ball and get out the way. Seriously, <laughs> guy can't oh even shoot threes. God. He's coming down hitting threes. It's a step back three again. Oh no, he made it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Jesus, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade on what in the world? This is insane. What is, what is going on with him in the playoffs, man? Guy's when a hell of a ball player, man. Like that guy's a hell of a competitor. Man, now all of a sudden he turns into a different cat, man. I don't know what it is with him. Well, at, at any rate, let me just say this about the Knicks and Cavs, and then we'll move on. So, I think a lot of what you said is true. Uh, the Knicks, you know, you say the Knicks are trash, and I don't think the Knicks are very good either. They have not played particularly well in the series. Julius Randle has been invisible. Emmanuel Quickly has been invisible. And you would think that with those two guys not showing up, that the Cavs would be cruising right now. Um, that right. has not been the case. When you have two bigs that can't, that aren't really offensive threats, that you don't really run offense through them, you can't mm-hmm. get beat up on the boards. Otherwise... No. Why do you have them out there? That's a great question. My daughter just popped down to say hi. Go back upstairs, baby. <laughs> Go back upstairs. 
Go back upstairs. Go see mommy. All right. Okay. Sorry about that, y'all. Uh, <laughs> my sweetheart Reagan. Um, anyway, <laughs> so if that happens, um, you know the, the Cavs are in deep trouble, right? If, if and, then, right. and it just so happens that Mitchell and Garland have not played their regular game either. Um, nope. You know, both of them have underperformed in this series. Um, I, I, you know, I know Vince is kind of like, you know, they haven't been getting punked or pushed around as much. I, I definitely think that that exists to some degree at the very least. And they've definitely been playing scared at parts of the series. But I will say that what Vince is always harping on most is Darius Garland being the engine for everything that makes the Cavs offense go. And he has not performed up to his capability for the majority of the series and that is a big reason why the Cavaliers are in the spot that they're in so I will concede that point with can't agree more yeah and so and and then you say that you know the Knicks are trash they've shot like 42% for the whole series I believe um you know but but you know they beat us three three out of four in the regular season and they beat us three out of four in the playoffs so it's all about matchups I think it is but it's like if they're trash then what are we you know what I mean so I don't know um but at any rate, you know, I, I, we'll just leave it there for now. Um, shout out to Anthony Houston and his Knicks with a 3-1 series lead. Um, I agree with you that the Cavs can and should win <laughs> a game five at home. Um, but, you know, there's no there's no guarantee that that's going to happen based on how things have gone at this point. And then, of course, if they were to get past that and then they go to game six, again, nothing New York has done has led me to believe that they're anything special. So, the Cavaliers are more than capable of going into game six in Madison Square Garden and getting a win, and then it, it opens everything back up. But we'll see. You know what I mean? It's it's not it's not looking right. pretty for, for the city of Cleveland right now. Um, it actually may be looking prettier for them from a football perspective, and uh, right. we'll get into that in a little bit. But we are here to talk NFL draft. It's the Mark draft. This is our 10th Mark draft in the NFL. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? 10 That's years, crazy, dog. Man. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to you. Thank and you. all your success. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years of doing this where Mark comes on the podcast and tells you what each general manager picking in the top 10 should do with their pick. He's been doing it on the preseason podcast of the year since 2014. Okay. And everybody's wow. been duplicating it since then. I've noticed, but you know, this is the original. No so doubt. We know, we know what it is. So Mark, the Carolina Panthers are picking first. On Thursday night. That should have been the Chicago Bears. However, they flipped that pick to Carolina. Um, In that deal, the Panthers gave up the 61st pick of this draft, which is a late second rounder. They gave up a first rounder next year, a second rounder in 2025, and they gave up DJ Moore, who is a promising young receiver who I have Panther fan friends in my life that swear by DJ Moore. And we'll tell you that that dude is as good as anybody. He just had had bad quarterback play. And and bad quarterback play is something the Panthers know all too well because they traded for Baker Mayfield last year. What does it say about your front office, Mark, when you trade away Christian McCaffrey and you trade for Baker Mayfield in the same season? What does that say? That means you're picking first in the draft. <laughs> Right? Some kind of way. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, it sounds like you got a new coach because they fired Matt Rule. They hired Frank Reich. And, and yeah. So, I mean, now, granted, in in their defense, they did finish 7-10 last year. They've made some interesting pickups in the offseason. They they added Von Bell to the defense, former Buckeye, uh, former New Orleans Saint, I believe. Was was he with New Orleans or was he with Cincinnati last? 
think Cincinnati. He was with Cincinnati most recently, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. Von Bell's there. Adam Thielen has left Minnesota. He's there. TJ Chark is a receiver. He's there as well. They added Miles Sanders to the backfield to help replace the aforementioned Christian McCaffrey. So now the Panthers are picking first. They didn't trade up to number one to take any other position but quarterback. We know that. Correct. The question is, which quarterback? If you read the tea leaves, it appears that they are honing in on Alabama's Bryce Young with the first pick. But I don't know that that's what you think they should do. So, Mark, what should they do with the first pick? Well, you know me better than that. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) with the first pick, uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers are going to take uh, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. And I've been battling back and forth with people all college football season between uh, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Now, if you if you ask me who, which quarterback is probably more prepared for the next level, it would probably be, uh, be Bryce Young. But my issue is, and this is a big issue with this, is not necessarily the height, although. Bryce Young comes in at five foot ten inches tall, man. I'm saying, and, man. and and that's and that's we talk about Baker Mayfield and his height, and he's he's listed at six feet tall. Even uh, I have a hard I have a hard time using the number one pick on a five ten quarterback. I just I have a hard time with that. I can't mentally process that. And C.J. Stroud, from in my opinion, uh has had a very good collegiate career. And quite honestly, he should have won a, won a Heisman Trophy, whether it was this season or the previous season. He should have won a, won a Heisman Trophy in his two years of starting in Ohio State. He just played that He just played that well. The knock on C.J. Stroud has always been in, in big games, and particularly when they talked about games against Michigan, he hasn't stepped up. Granted, but at the same time, you have like a hundred guys on Ohio State's football team who didn't step up, and including the coaching staff. So I can't put all of that on CJ. I think CJ, when he is when he is focused, he's more he's a he's more of a he's shown more of his skills when he's when he's been a front runner, as opposed to having to try to battle back at uh, late in games and things of that nature. But he has all the tools to be a successful franchise quarterback in the NFL. I think the issue, I think some of the issues with him is, is if he gets uh, agitated in the pocket a little bit, uh, even though he's able to, you know, scramble for the most part, uh, make, make time with his legs and throw the football down the field. He can still complete passes. I think he gets a little antsy when he's off rhythm because he's a rhythm type of quarterback. And if he gets off rhythm early, he has a hard time getting back on track. At least uh, from the games that I've watched of him, he's he's really if he comes out really good, he's going to stay really good for most of the game. But then when he starts getting happy feet inside the pocket and he starts doing things that that he's not comfortable with, that's when his his uh his problems come. I love the way he throws the deep ball. Uh, it helps when you have uh, first round receivers at Ohio State, you know, working with him. But I think at the end of the day, 
Um, I think CJ has as the talent and ability and the moxie to to really help that franchise uh, get themselves out for uh, out of the doldrums for the next ten years. Uh, I would have loved for him to have a DJ Moore uh, with him there as he was trying to progress and learn the quarterback position at the pro level. But, uh, you know, Carolina's a rebuild anyway. They're not going to win anytime soon. And, you know, if, if you're going to have the number one pick, you you need a you need a, a, a franchise building piece. And I think C.J. Stroud is that franchise building piece. So. With CJ Stroud, a few a few things to to point out. One, you mentioned his receiving core at Ohio State. This is not just any old receiving core. Okay. CJ Stroud was a starter for two years. And in those two years, he was throwing to Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's who he was throwing to. So and don't, and don't forget about Mecca if you either. Right. And so, like, could I have been, like, a fourth-round pick of those guys? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not sure if I could throw a football. I'm not going to speculate how many yards I could throw a football. Not a lot. <laughs> not not a lot, definitely, compared to C.J. Stroud. And yet, I don't think a fourth-round grade is out of the question on your boy. That's all I'm saying. If I'm throwing one uh-huh. of those guys, like, I could screen it up all day long. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, those right. guys make it happen. So, I mean, if you want to nitpick C.J. Stroud, that's one way to do it. Now, in fairness, first of all, the the amount of wide receiver talent that's coming out of Ohio State, LSU, and Alabama in the last, like, four years, five years is insane. Just out of those three schools, insane. And you could even maybe throw in Oklahoma, but, like, my God, the receiving talent is abundant, right? Right. you don't really hear other quarterbacks getting criticized for their receiver talent, though. I mean, you could make the same claim about Bryce Young and some of the guys that he's throwing to, and right. nobody really does that. Nobody really is doing that. So, you know, that's kind of just something to point out, but it is what it is. Does it bother you? And you kind of low-key alluded to it a second ago. Does it bother you that C.J. Stroud seems to have not really won the big game in college. I can't call him Peyton Manning because he wasn't a four-year starter like Peyton Manning was and couldn't beat Florida to save his life. But <laughs> but mm-hmm. see, yeah, yeah, to our younger listeners, you guys can look that up. But um, but does it bother you in any way that, you know, he couldn't beat Michigan. He had two shots at Michigan, couldn't beat him. He went to a bowl game this past year, had a shot, you know, in, in the national championship uh, playoff, in the college football playoff. Ohio State really, 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 really should have beat Georgia, and it really wasn't CJ's fault that they didn't, but they didn't. Right. And I don't even remember what Ohio State did in the bowl game last year. I think I don't think they made the playoff last year, and no. so and so and it was and I and I think they they slaughtered somebody in a meaningless bowl game, I believe. So Correct. that was I think the game that JSN had like three hundred yards, right? <laughs> so yeah. So, anyways, to to get back to the point, what do you think? Does it mean anything that he really couldn't win these big games when he really needed to? As a fan, it it bothers me. I, I, I'm not going to uh, front and, and say that it didn't bother me. As a fan of Ohio State football, it bothered it bothered the hell out of me. As a as a uh, 
football fan and as I guess as a couch potato slash uh, slash GM, it doesn't bother me because it's so many factors that go into winning a game. I mean, the quarterback gets all the credit when they win when they win when they make plays late in games or they or they win that quote unquote big game. The quarterback seems to get all the credit and get all the blame when they when they lose. That game against Georgia, uh, for example, I don't put any blame on C.J. Stroud. If anything, I blame I blame more so Ryan Day than, than C.J. Stroud. Um, I, I just think the the lack the lack of adjustment uh, when Georgia was coming back into the game, the defense pretty much wet the bed the whole nine yards. I mean that's a, that's an anomaly all to itself. Uh, but the Michigan games, I don't. I, I don't know what it is because I think, uh, you know, like Jim Trestle didn't have didn't have a problem of, of beating up on Michigan when he needed to. Um, I just I, I think certain uh, Urban Meyer he beat the brakes off of Michigan his his entire time there. I mean, to the point where you know they were looking sideways, and John Harbaugh was was real. I mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh was really close to getting fired. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's a, he's a great coach again. Uh, I just, there's so many different factors that go into it. I'm not going to sit there and blame CJ. Uh, could he have played better in those games? Absolutely. He could have had, uh, could, uh, the offensive line have protected him a lot better. Absolutely. Especially the, the, the game when they played against, um, um, Ojabu and, um, Ojabo and, uh, and, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. And they, they they pretty much just manhandled the offensive line for yeah. the, for the Buckeyes. I, I mean, I I can't I can't blame the quarterback when the offensive line is playing Ole into the defensive line. I I I have a problem with putting all the blame on the quarterback. But could he have played better? Absolutely. I just think he just needs more opp- opportunity, and I think he just need a a better surrounding cast around him um, to and and a coach that's going to be able to scheme him. Put him in position where he can be successful. I think, I think he'll be fine. Otherwise, going down the stretch. Well, I, I mean, I think I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I think that CJ. What's interesting to me is that he found his legs in the Georgia game. We didn't Correct. really see any of that in the Michigan game the year before that you're talking about. No, and uh, and so he proved that he could tuck the ball and make it happen on the ground if needed. And I felt like that added layer of elusiveness to his game made him even a greater prospect and more of a threat. I agree. A thousand percent. And yet we're now we're hearing all this weird stuff about his character potentially being called into question or whatever. You know, that, uh, that Brady Quinn nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even saying, I don't even know that it's Brady's fault necessarily, but it's just some weird stuff that's, that's come out about CJ Stroud. And you know, again, Mark, we see this every year at the draft, right? Like the football yep. season ends for most Still teams season. in December. The draft is in April. There are no games nope. played, you know, outside of the playoffs, which trickles into the first week of January. After that, there are no games between the second week of January and the draft at the end of April. There are no games. I'm going to say it again. There are no games. <laughs> right? No and games. Yet, no games are played. And yet, Guys who were not thought to be all that at the end of the season 
shoot up the draft board. Guys who we thought were great at the end of the season fall down the draft board. They have these workouts in shorts with no defense that are designed and schemed in a way to make the prospects look good because they're put on by their home college. And people yep. and, and then they and they and shocker, they wow everybody against no mm. defense in shorts. <laughs> and then people like literally use that to suggest that a player's stock should rise based off that. It's so bizarre. And another new thing, not it's not new to have um evaluations, mentally or uh, evaluations or exams done for players, particularly quarterbacks. But the latest is that there's some new kind of test. What used to be the Wonder League, now it's some new test. I forget what it's called, but they're saying CJ Stroud scored the lowest score out of all the quarterbacks on it. Does yeah. that concern you at all? No, no, because I think at the end, of, I think when it comes down to football intelligence, especially like when they talk, when they, we used to have the Wonder League test. I always thought that was a biased test. It's, it, to me, it was no different than the ACT or SAT. When you went to college, I, I think it, it was biased, and a lot of questions that they would ask these 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 football players in particular, and and even more so the quarterbacks, really had nothing to do with football. I mean, at the end of the day, they they need to be able to, to determine whether or not they can throw and if they can throw against zone coverage, or they can pick up the blitz, or they can uh, audible a play at the line of scrimmage, or slide to protection, me, right? Yeah, slide protection. I, all that other nonsense with, with, with these stupid tests, with all these stupid questions, to me, it has nothing to do with football. And, and, and for me, I just I want a guy who understands how to play football. And I think C.J. Stroud, despite whatever test that they had that this kid take, is, uh, is it has the ability to play football. And that's all I want in my, in my quarterback. I mean, I don't, I mean, unless you're Josh Dobbs, you know, you're not going to use that, that knowledge anywhere else anyway. I mean, you're well, not going to And that's a good point. So, like so, so Josh Dobbs is like a freaking rocket scientist. He's, he, For real. He's also, scientist. yeah, he's also a career backup in the NFL, right? So, Correct. Correct. You know, and I think for the, for the protest people, I think their argument is that these exams help dictate or show how well somebody can process information or how quickly they can process information. And that's fine. But again, to your point, it's not necessarily you get the damn ball. Yeah. I mean, it's not really what quarterback is about. I mean, you can go online and take the wonder lick. I've taken it before. I don't remember what I scored on it, but you can go online and take the wonder lick. <laughs> yeah. Now and, and to be fair, I was not good at, at, uh, ACT SAT. That was not my cup of tea, but, uh, I, I made it. Uh, your boy did all right. Your boy did all right. Nonetheless, despite not being the best standardized test taker. Um, let's move on. Um, <laughs> Texans, <laughs> we're not going to get into Jay, Jay's ACT scores and SAT scores uh, right now. Just know I'm doing well on the verbal. That's why I got a podcast. There you go. That's right. The Houston Texans <laughs> pick second mark. Um, they also have the 12th pick, which is from the Browns. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of speculation right now. Well, uh, first of all, let's talk about what they added. So they added a, okay. a lot. They, 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 this is the worst team in football last year for, for my money, even though I think they may have had to tie the Bears for the worst record. This is the worst team. Right. Worst I organization, agree. worst everything top to bottom. They're just worse. Worse. Um, 
And so they went shopping because they could afford to. In the offseason so far, they've picked up Devin Singletary, Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz, Shaq Mason, Noah Brown, Jimmy Ward, and Denzel Perriman. So that's a lot. You know, the, those first five are all added to the offense that was inept last year. And then they added Jimmy Ward to the back end of the defense and Denzel Perryman at linebacker. D'Amico Ryans is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. Uh, hopefully they actually give him more than one year to succeed. But there's a lot of talk about the Texans potentially not taking a quarterback here, even though they have a glaring need for a quarterback here. To me, it looks like the worst smoke screen of all time. I'll believe it when I see it, that they don't take a quarterback at number two. But that's what people are saying, that they don't have an interest in taking quarterback. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I'm i pretty confident that they're going to take a quarterback. What, what should they do, though? Well, based on the on the way the draft board has, uh, has fallen, um, they have to take a quarterback, man. Here's the here's the thing that I I have a hard time understanding from some of these executives, and and it's you either do one or two things. If you are if you are going to start a franchise, you're going to need a, a quarterback to be successful. If you're not going the quarterback route at least early in the draft, then your team has to be outstanding at the other skill positions. And uh, not just offensively, but defensively. You have to have a stop at average, uh, above average to an excellent team around that quarterback. Yeah. And my thing is, it's going to take much more time and effort to build that type of team around Whereas you have a good quarterback, the curve your curve is at, uh, is actually going to be shorter, and your time frame is going to accelerate more if you have a, a very good quarterback and let's say uh, a slightly av- uh, a slightly above average team. That quarterback is just going to make the roster better, and it, and it and it's and it just cuts down the timetable, especially for a franchise that's as putrid as the Houston Texans are. They can't afford to sit there and and try to build a team around a mediocre quarterback or average quarterback. So at this particular point, uh, even though overall the 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 in my opinion the the quarterback class is weak this year as opposed to other years, I I mean I as much as I ripped on Bryce Young at with the number one pick, I mean he's talented enough. Where if you if you have certain things built around him, he can be successful, and that would be the move that I would make, especially considering of uh, all the other potential quarterbacks that would be drafted early. That would be the guy I would be looking at because not just because of his uh, of his ability, but also just because of his uh, his college record. I mean, he, it has to stand for something. He's won at Alabama, if, despite his size. In spite of uh, the playing in the SEC, all of that. I mean, he's he's been successful. There's drawbacks to his game, but there's drawbacks to all of these quarterbacks. And and, and to me, I'm I have the the fewest uh, drawbacks with Bryce Young over the any other quarterbacks that's left in this draft. That's why I would take him out of the Texans. Well, I gotta I gotta. Now, I, I can't say I disagree with you because 
you know, you're saying what you believe they ought to do. But I mean, I, I just, I, if I were running the Texans, I could not pull the trigger on Bryce Young. I don't think I could pull the trigger on Bryce Young from any of these teams. And you, I, I mean, you know what? I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that philosophy either. Um, I mean, I'm, this dude is, at, I'm trying to look at it big picture wise. More so than I mean, I'm and, and not just shortchange him. And that's a bad pun on words, a bad choice of words. But I don't want to shortchange the kid just because he is short. Oh, I, I do. Just, no, I, I do. I no, I, I definitely. Don't, do. I don't want to necessarily rip him. Rip him because, like, in my opinion, he's he's ten times better than Kyler Murray ever was, and and, and not just not just from a talent standpoint, but from a maturity standpoint as well. I I I'm not going to rip him or put him in the same category or put him in the same box as someone like a Kyler Murray when it's absolutely clear that Kyler Murray is not a is in my opinion is not a good quarterback and Arizona Cardinals have destroyed their franchise by giving this kid this money. <laughs> We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk. Okay, okay, okay. Just okay. You don't have to release the Hounds just yet on the Cardinals. Okay, we're gonna <laughs> they got the third pick. Okay, so we don't we don't need to. Let you do to Mr. Burns to to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals just yet, but um, here, here's the here's the deal though. Kyler Murray, I'm showing that his combine measurements were five ten and an eighth of an inch, so he's basically five foot ten, two hundred seven pounds at the combine. Five, yeah. you know, I mean, like five ten, two hundred seven pounds. Johnny Manziel. We all remember how small he looked on TV. Yep. 5'11", 207. Okay? Bryce Young, 5'10", 204. And you know what? Bryce Young's not even the athlete that Johnny Manziel was. From like a foot speed, elusiveness standpoint? Nope. And he's definitely not Kyler Murray. Nope. So... That's the thing that separates Kyler Murray is that he has this elite level foot speed that for all his faults and everything else and all the reasons there are to dislike Kyler Murray, the guy is cat quick and he escapes trouble all the time. And so in spite of his shortcomings in the height and weight department, he does have a unique, unique skill that helps him overcome that deficiency. I said, I don't think Kyler Murray's great either, but at least he has that. Bryce Young doesn't have that. So he needs an elite offensive line from day one because he's not running away from anybody and he's not throwing over the top of anybody. It's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask. Here's the thing. Just because you're a, lo- a big quarterback like a Brock Osweiler who was 6'8", right. Just, right. I mean, the Browns have tried them all. They had Brock Osweiler and Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Just because you are six foot eight does right. not mean that you are guaranteed success as an NFL quarterback. Absolutely. Okay? And just yeah. because you're small doesn't mean you're destined for failure. But how many of the best quarterbacks do we know are at least six foot two? Like pretty much all of them ever. Except Drew Brees, Brees and Russell Wilson. Yep. So that's like two guys, maybe Fran Tarkenton. I don't know how big Fran Tarkenton was, but like something like that. Yeah. So like, we're, I mean, right. we're talking a very small number, small no fan. pun intended, of, of guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like most yeah. guys that are, have any sort of success at this position in the NFL 
the vast majority of them are at least six two. So, I mean, even Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, those guys are six two. And then you get into the Braves right. and the Mannings, those guys are six four, six five. Right. I mean, even I think Lamar Jackson, I think, is six two. Deshaun Watson, like these guys yeah. aren't small guys. So I mean, you have to have some kind of height and you have to have some type of frame to withstand the punishment. Russell Wilson had elite elusiveness and he was a stockier guy. Bryce Young has none of these qualities. You see what I'm saying? So I don't know. The height thing matters. It was part of the reason why I didn't want the Browns to draft Baker Mayfield. We sat on this podcast five years ago and debated the merits of Baker Mayfield in the draft. And you had him going to the Jets, if you if you recall. Yep. Um, I do. I do. With, the, yeah. with the third pick that year. And I'm like, dude, part, I mean, of the many reasons there were to not draft Baker Mayfield, one of them was that this dude was little. And so, like, <laughs> these, these little quarterbacks, man, I just... The history is against them. I mean, granted, Houston plays indoors. They play in the South or whatever. That helps. But I just, you know, right. same with Carolina. They play outdoors, but still in the South. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So um, Bryce Young, he's, he's, he seems to, it's, it's the way people talk about him, his, his instinctual playmaking and his accuracy and all that stuff. 32 TDs, five picks in 12 games yeah. last year. People talk about him as though, like, if this guy weren't, if he were 6'3", 6'4", we would be talking about him on an Andrew Luck level as a prospect. And maybe that's the case. I don't even doubt that necessarily. But, yeah. so I'm not even saying that he's not going to have any success. I just can't see him being this transcendent guy who's going to turn your franchise around, take you to the playoffs year after year, win Super Bowls. You're in the NFC Championship game, all the like. I just don't see it with CJ Stroud, or excuse me, with Bryce Young, and it's because of his size. So, um, I, I I don't necessarily disagree with you on that, and I see I I can see why you would have some uh some problem with taking a guy like him, and as I as I would, I'm looking at it though from the from the Houston Texas standpoint. One of the things you just pointed out is one of the reasons why I think they they should take him. A is the fact that they're playing in the, in the AFC South. You think about who, the, what, what teams they're playing against in that division. They're playing against Indi- Indianapolis, which they play in the Dome. They play in Jacksonville, which they play, if not in a typhoon, they play in warm weather. And then you, and then you play Tennessee, um, which is pro- which is going to be the worst of, of everyone in the division as far as weather wise. So I think he has an opportunity to play in decent weather a majority of, of his time, at least if uh, at least for eight games out the year he's going to be playing in decent decent weather. Okay, now it's, it comes down to the other games where he has to be on the road, things like that. That's going to play. That's going to take place in no matter who the quarterback is. The thing that re- that sets me apart from uh, Baker Mayfield and some of these other short quarterbacks with with Bryce Young. One of the things I do like about him um, is the fact that he understands the quarterback position to the point where he can read and recognize things pre-snap. I think his ability to adjust to the defense, make the, make a make a, a quick decision, and, and adjust the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage. I think that's just a play at the line of scrimmage. I think that's huge for him. I think that's going to help him 
with his adjustment to the to the league. I, and um, now you know, with you know he has some mobility. He's not the type of guy that's going to just run around all day. He's not that type of type of guy. He has a strong enough arm to get the ball downfield, which will help, especially in the, that, that those types of environments. His problem is is that he suffered a throw, an injury to his throwing shoulder this year, and so um, his you know he's built more like a wide receiver than a quarterback, and, and you know, because of that 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 lack of height and weight, things like that. It's going to cause problems for him. But I think if, like I say, you have, for him in particular, you have to build a team around him to be successful. And I think if, if they do it the right way, and I, there's no, there's no telling what Houston's going to do because Houston is a, just a terrible franchise. So who knows what's going to happen? But if they do it the right way, he can be successful. He could be, he could be what Russell Wilson was to Seattle. He could do, not necessarily, be a, a a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, but he can he can actually be a winning quarterback for that franchise, which is something they haven't had. And I think for the most part, he he exhibits uh, a, a, a leadership quality that also helps with the locker room as well. You know, but th- that that whole leadership crap with like somebody like Baker Mayfield that was completely overblown. This kid is an actual leader, and he and I think he will. Uh, he could he could galvanize a room full of, of grown men in in a locker room, and I, I just think he can he has the ability to have some success. Um, and a place like Houston would help him out a lot, as opposed to uh some place where he's going to be, you know, in in a, in a either a tougher division or a uh in a, in a weather uh challenging environment that type of thing. So. That that's more one of the, some of the reasons why I, I project Houston to go that route as opposed to uh, not taking a quarterback. Well, uh, he did an interview with like Taylor Rooks, and they were like looking eye to eye, <laughs> something like that. It was not, <laughs> it was not good for his draft stock. They took they took a picture together, I think it was like after the interview, and they were like, oh my god, basically that's, the same height yeah. almost, and like she had on heels, I think, but still, it's like ugh. Yeah. That's, maybe that's, yeah. maybe he can be the next. Uh, maybe he can be what uh, Russell Wilson was to Seattle, or maybe he can be what Josh Rosen was to Arizona. I am never going <laughs> to forgive the Arizona Cardinals organization for what they did to Josh Rosen. Okay, they destroyed because that I, kid. Because I and you and I put our necks out on the line on the mark draft in 2018 and said Josh Rosen will be a good quarterback, and he has not been a good quarterback. And I will die on that hill that. Not that he's a great player now, obviously, but that if he was actually given a fair shake by Arizona to start his career and he was supported like a quarterback is supposed to be, his career right. would look very different today. And I, so, I would agree with that. Instead, the Cardinals went a different route. They pivoted a year after Rosen, moved off of him, made Kyler Murray the first pick, and then they hired Cliff Kingsbury to make Kyler Murray look good, and none of it worked. None of it worked. <laughs> they finished four and thirteen last year. Cliff Kingsbury's gone. Kyler signs this massive contract w- where they have to ask him not to play video games and study more in the contract because that's how much of a slack ass he is. Okay, right. Uh, they fired Steve Kahn, the general manager. Hired some dude named Monty Ossenfurt from Tennessee to run the team. Buda Baker just demanded a trade. DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to get traded. 
And all this is falling on who as the new head coach? Jonathan Gannon, a native of Cleveland, Ohio. Good luck to you, John. Dude actually went to St. Ignatius. <laughs> and he was the Eagles' defensive coordinator. Yep. He was the Eagles' defensive coordinator. I and so, who was hired there. I forgot. I well, I mean, well, like, here, look, man, look at what the Eagles' defense did in the Super Bowl. And off of that performance, they made him the head coach. He's a Cleveland yep. dude, so I'm rooting for him. But lots of luck. Um, <laughs> what should Arizona do at three? Quite honestly, if I was Arizona, I would trade the pick. And, I, and I'm just going to be flat out. Because at this particular point with them, they're stuck with Kyler Murray whether they like him or not. They can't get rid of his deal. They got a lot of guaranteed money tied with him. And even though they took that stupid – or they announced that they took that stupid clause out of, it, uh, out of his contract, what – what franchise would, would put something like that in a quarterback's contract who you're paying 200 plus million dollars to? And, <laughs> and then, then with, with the, after the public, uh, just like rips them for it and the media rips them for it, they come and take, they say they claim they, uh, took the claws they, out they of They took the, the claws out. Yeah. It, it's a mess. They're a mess of a franchise, but I'm dying they're, to know. They're, they're another messy franchise. I'm okay? dying to know who you have them trading this pick to. Well, I, you're going to find this funny, but the team that I have moving up to three to get this pick, uh, are the Tennessee Titans. Okay. No, that's, that, I'm with that. Okay. And the reason why I have Tennessee doing this is at the end of the day with them, you know, they have an outstanding uh, Hall of Fame running back in Derrick Henry. They have uh, a defense that nine times out of ten is is going to be solid. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be putrid. It's going to be right in the middle, okay? Um, Up until this past season when they let A.J. Uh, AJ Brown walk or, or go or trade him to Philadelphia. They had a, a, a halfway decent receiving core. Um, now they're they're rebuilding receiving core. Their biggest albatross that uh, that Tennessee has is that quarterback. Pure and simple. That's their biggest problem. Ryan Tannehill. What possessed them to give to give this guy all of this money? Well, they just drafted a quarterback, yeah. though, Mark. They already drafted his replacement, I thought. Yeah. That, Malik Willis is not the replacement, man. <laughs> He's not. They need a replacement? They, they, they replacement? gassed this score kid up. I mean, you can't win to Liberty, for crying out loud. They gassed <laughs> this kid up, put him out there, and and, and I've, I've, I've watched the, 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 the few times they had him out there in the field. This, this, this guy, this kid is so far from being – a legit NFL quarterback, I, it's it's not even close. It's not even close. Um, so the issue with that, so my thing is the Titans, uh, the Titans is going to come up and and at least roll the dice to get one of these uh, one of these guys. Well, lay it um, on me, man. Which one? Which one? <laughs> you're going to flip on this one because I know what you're about to say. Either- I know it. I know what you're about to say. Go ahead, say it. It's either boom or bust with this guy, man. Say it. I think they're going to roll the dice. It's going to be Anthony Richardson, the ah! quarterback from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's boom or bust. And you know what? If this, if the, if this kid booms, 
they will be, this will be probably one of the biggest trades in NFL history. But if he busts, you're talking about on DeMarcus Russell type levels of one of the biggest draft blunders in NFL history too. But I think it's worth the, worth the shot because I'm going to tell you, if they keep the, uh, the roster the way it is, they're not winning anything. And you have, you have to be able at some point to, to look at your roster and say, the way this roster is right now, we're not winning anything. And Derrick Henry is not getting any younger. I give him at least another year to two years, and then he's going to be gone off the Titans. I think they have to really like sit back and, and, and reevaluate everything because on a physical talent level, there's nobody in this draft that's better than this kid. However, he gives me Josh Allen vibes. And my problem with him is, is just like Josh Allen, he wasn't an overly accurate quarterback at Florida. He nope. tried to uh, force things uh, down the field with his arm. Uh, so it to me, it depends on, and there's only one Brian Dayball in the, in the entire NFL, and he's the coach of the New York Giants. But if if you have enough faith in your offensive staff to get with this kid and calm him down and allow him to learn the nuances of the game. No, keep this in mind too. Once Dayball went to the Giants, Josh Allen's uh it, it went rent and reverted back to some of the old things he was doing his first couple of years in the league and some of the things that he was doing at Wyoming. So it's imperative that he has a strong offensive mind with him and a very or, and or a very good quarterback coach because he's going to need somebody to tutor him and to get him to get him right but from a talent standpoint this kid is off the charts he does everything like Josh Allen would be and he's probably close to as close as possible to being as big as Josh Allen the problem is with him he has he he's tries to make every throw with his arm and he tries to fit it in areas that he that he's not supposed to. He's not disciplined enough with the football. But if you can get a coach in there that's going to tame him, he's going to be he can he could be your your cornerstone for the next uh, 10 to 15 years or he could be out of the league in 5. But at this point, <laughs> you're not going anywhere with the team that you have now. You might as well roll the dice. Well, you, it's easy to say you might as well roll the dice when it's not your job that's on the line. Okay, so absolutely. I, so I mean, you know, it's it's great to play hypotheticals on the podcast, and I'm and I'm and I'm all for trade trading in the mark in the mark draft. I'm all for it. But yeah, Tennessee, they've been pretty much a model of consistency for the last several years. Kind of like almost like the Kansas City Chiefs before they got Mahomes. They were in the playoffs every year with Alex Smith. They were competing every year with Alex Smith. They were overachieving a lot of times in the regular season. And then they would get to the playoffs and then they'd maybe, you know, fold or fumble or whatever. But it was a good organization that you could say, like, you know what? They know what they're doing. And if they can just get a quarterback to take them to the next level, they may have something. And that's exactly what happened because they rolled the dice on a risky prospect like Mahomes. And right. and it worked out for them. And so now here we have Anthony Richardson, who, if you look at the highlights, his highlights are second to none. There is nobody in this draft who has better highlight tape than Anthony Richardson. That was a dude who was box office at Florida. 
You turn on on yep. Saturdays like, okay, what's Anthony Richardson doing? Because he's going to do something special that's going to make your jaw hit the floor. Stuff that you can't teach. Right. The problem is he needs to be taught a lot of other stuff. <laughs> and the Titans <laughs> offensive coordinator is a dude named Tim Kelly who I did not know of until I just Googled Titans offensive coordinator. <laughs> and it said Tim Kelly. And so I don't know Tim Kelly. The first <laughs> Google hit for, for Titans offensive coordinator says, get to know new offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. <laughs> so nobody knows Tim Kelly. So my And I'm not here to, to, to downgrade or put down Tim Kelly. He may be wonderful and, and perfectly qualified for the job, but is he the type of guy who's going to mold such a raw prospect like Anthony Richardson into what it is that you're talking about? When jobs are on the line, when Tennessee has been in the conversation but never really been able to break through, and yep. when they have a defensive-minded head coach in Mike Vrabel, how many more years is Mike Vrabel going to get in order to allow Anthony Richardson to fully blossom under the direction and leadership of Tim Kelly. You see what I'm saying? So I, it's a I, risk. I you. It's a it's risk. It's definitely a risk. I think, I think, though, here's the, here's, the thing, here's the thing that I'm looking at. Um, and it's a good thing it's not like the Colts franchise with Jim Mersey, who's just knee-jerk. He's like the king of knee-jerk reaction, and he'll fire a guy in a minute. Um, but I think, like you said, the Tennessee Titans have been a model franchise, a stable franchise. However, stability it, it, it can it, in mediocrity. There's a there's a thin line between both, yep. and they've yep. been teetering on that on that on that line for a long time now. And they and you see it just as much as I do when you watch Tennessee Tennessee Titans and they and they go and, and win and win the AFC South and all that stuff and, and get in the first round of playoffs or they're they're like a like a top five or six seed or whatever. You know they're gonna get bounced in the first round. You know they're gonna get bounced. They they did go you to the AFC Championship why, game a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they did. but but they, they uh, what was the reason why they weren't didn't go to the Super Bowl? Because their quarterback wet the bed. And that's the that's been the biggest problem with them. They don't have and just like and you put you brought up a perfect example with Kansas City. They've been mediocre with Alex Smith, and they took a chance on a guy who threw for a bunch of yards in the in the Big Twelve, very undisciplined, and not not extremely uh not uh extremely disciplined, but he got with the right coach, with the right system at the right time, and now he's the best quarterback in football right now, and that and and I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is going to do that, and this and this Tim Kelly dude is going to be able to do that with him. I have no idea what he's capable of doing, but I know that they can't just stay pat. And I understand it's it's, it's easy for me to say when jobs are on the line, but jobs are going to be on the line anyway because if the Titans continue to do the the uh, the ten and seven. The, the nine and eight type of thing and flame in the first round of playoffs. Rabel's not going to be there much longer with or without uh, 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 taking a swing at Anthony Richardson. So at this point, at least you, you're trying every option. And I think if ownership were really involved and understood this, 
they will be on board with saying, okay, we, we're not going to get anywhere with the quarterback and the team that we have constructed right now. Let's roll the dice and see, and see where we can go from there. Well, I think they'll at least buy him a little more time by doing this and seeing what they have. Yeah. And like I say, from a talent standpoint, Richardson is the guy if they want to go that route. So, I mean, and to your point, they built this team around Derrick Henry, and he's taken them as far as he can take them, I think. Um, I agree. There's speculation that he was going to leave this offseason. There was a, re- a rumor that he was going to the Eagles this week, um, mm-hmm. but it couldn't be confirmed, and it turned out not to be true. Uh, so, yeah, Derrick Henry, uh, <laughs> it, what's funny is that I have a, I have a qu- quick tangent. I have a thing where I, I get pissed when – People don't. I know. I get pissed a lot. I have this thing where I get pissed when people don't put proper respect on running backs' names. Everybody wants to talk about running backs like they're yesterday's news and that they're right. worthless and that like literally worthless in the NFL these days and all that stuff. And my thing is like every year we see in the playoffs how important running the football is, and then we see granted not always who does it, but there are times when teams and offenses are carried by running backs, and when that happens, they don't Freak. get the credit for it. They don't get the credit for it. And Derrick Henry is a prime example. The reason why Tennessee's been competing all these years and in the mix is because of Derrick Henry. And so now you have a team that's built around Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis and ain't good enough. And so to your point, again, they, they, they have to do something. They lost out on Aaron Rodgers. They gotta, they gotta shake something up. So I'm, I'm with it, but they're gonna, they're gonna make the Colts and the Seahawks probably pretty angry that Anthony Richardson is no longer on the board. So the Colts pick fourth and now three quarterbacks have gone off the board, two of which have involved teams that traded traded up ahead of them to take their guy. So what do the Colts do now? So the Colts, as you can see, their biggest problem has always been quarterback. They've always they've gotten retrade after retrade after retrade. They went after Andrew Luck retired. They did Jacoby Brissett for a, for a year. They went with they went with Phillip Rivers. They went with uh God. Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan. They went with Carson Wentz. I mean, they how many more retread quarterbacks can they can they take? They're now in a position where they are picking does Baker, does the Baker, draft Baker has and, a job, right? Baker Baker's in Tampa Bay, never mind. Yes. <laughs> remember remember when Baker tried to demand a trade to the Colts? <laughs> yes. He demanded a trade to the Colts and the Browns like, uh no. <laughs> that had to be the funniest thing I ever uh I remember from last season that that really cracked me up. But so, so, um, wait a minute. so it sounds like you have them going quarterback now. I should point out that they did sign Gardner Minshew in the offseason. Another retread. Another retread. Well, you're gonna need a retread anyway because if you're gonna draft a quarterback, he's gonna be a rookie and he's probably not gonna start anyway. At least not early. So give him time to sit there and understand the the quarterback that I would have him take is Will Levis from Kentucky. Um. He has he has some talent, but to me, um, he's not as talented as the other three quarterbacks, in my opinion. Um, he's talented enough, especially in in a dome in the AFC South, where he's going to be playing in halfway decent weather for a majority uh, of at least half the season. I, I I think I think he's in a position where he could he could be successful. Um, but it comes back down to coaching at this point. I mean, he, he, he has some, some Zach Wilson in, which scares me a little bit. 
He's he has some of that in him because he's a and because he's a gunslinger. He but and but everything that I've heard about this kid is that he has a a, a better maturity than Zach Wilson ever did. So I think because of that, he's going to have the ability to be successful. Um, it's going to be a little bit rough in the beginning for him, but he has some some pieces in place for him to, you know, to start off being successful. He just got to learn the speed of the game, and he has to understand that he doesn't have to win the game all the time with his arm. He, he's not playing against uh, Vanderbilt. He's playing in the NFL, and he, and a lot of these uh, players that that he had were have on his team that were stars or or close to being stars on the collegiate level. So he just has to understand where his place is and where his role is. And he has to have, to have to have time to learn and adjust to the speed of the game. I think he will be fine in a, in a place like Indianapolis where they're not overly expected to win. And with a guy like Gardner Minshew there, he can tell, he can start the season, give this kid time to, to, to develop on the fly. And then if for whatever reason, if the, if the season starts going south, you put him in, you give him some experience, get him ready for uh, 2024, and we go from there. But that's who I would take. I would take Will Levis with the fourth pick if I was the Indianapolis Colts. I guess my my question would be, are we sure he's good? He Will <laughs> Levis feels like one of them dudes that, because we know that the quarterback quarterbacks float to the top of the draft board every year. Because All the time. And it doesn't matter if they're good or not. And we know that half of these dudes that we're talking about, these quarterbacks, we know half of them are going to be good. And half of them are going to stink. Are gonna stink and wash out. Maybe one of them turns into a star. Maybe. And that's typically how it goes. Like, you get it. You get half our, you know, decent starter quality, half stink. Maybe you get one star. That's That's pretty much what this is. And Will Levis feels like he's one of these dudes. I don't know, man. He started off at Penn State, didn't mm-hmm. didn't do anything there. Ended up transferring, had a breakout year two years ago, and then last year, kind of disappointed. You could blame that on a lot of things. I mean, he had some injuries, uh, a turf toe and a shoulder injuries. He had an offensive coordinator that got yeah, fired his weapons were gone too. The season his weapons were gone, but he couldn't. He couldn't. You know, he he's been at spots where he couldn't beat dudes out. Like he just couldn't beat out other competition around him. Now he's almost mm-hmm. 24 years old and he's coming off a year. Where he had 19 TDs and 10 picks. And it's like, is this to do now? You know what? No, you know what he did do. Remember we talked about, they didn't play any games. This guy right. took his shirt off in public and people are like, wow, what a physique. And now he's going up the draft board. So <laughs> I don't, you know, whatever. I, 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 Good luck to the Colts if they if he goes there. I mean, he's got some accuracy issues. I'm just saying, like, I'm not I'm not enamored with Will Levis by any stretch. I'm just not sure that he's good. I don't know that he stinks, but I'm not sure. I don't he's know good. he's good either. And that's, and and that's kind of where I am. But I, I, he has tools. He has the ability to be successful. My problem is, or my issue is, or my hope is, is that he has the coaching staff around him. To help develop them, and I mean, well, he, he doesn't have he, Jeff Saturday he, anymore. We we know that. No, Jeff Saturday yeah, is not his coach. Have him. Uh, yeah, they actually hired the Eagles coach Shane Steichen as their former offensive coordinator. Yeah, He's God, now the head coach. 
in Indianapolis. So the Eagles lost both of their coordinators. Yeah, the um, Eagles got fleet. <laughs> well, uh, the the so the Seahawks are picking fifth. Now, yep. they're in an interesting spot. They're, this is the Denver Broncos I pick agree. that they got from the Russell Wilson trade where Pete yep. Carroll and John Snyder laughing straight to the bank with it, like 50 Cent said back in the day. <laughs> All right? Yep. Geno Smith authored a surprise season, comeback player of the year season for the ages. Ken Walker was yep. a great rookie, uh, had a great rookie season as a, as a running back, filling in for the injured Rashad Penny. Yep. And was, last year they're coming off probably the best draft John Snyder maybe had since his Legion of Boom days, back when he was putting that squad together. Yes, and, sir. Um, and the Seahawks made the playoffs. I mean, they, nobody knew they were – everybody knew they weren't going to do nothing once they got there. But at least they got there. I mean, they shocked a lot of people this year. A ton um, of people, especially yeah. when they announced Geno Smith being the, the starter from day one. I, that well, – yeah, because there were debates between impressive. him and, and uh, your boy from Denver. What was that kid's name? Um, old, uh, uh, pale face kid, like looking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like rosy cheek looking kid. What was his name? Yeah, God, what's that? That was from Denver. Yeah, I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, I'm drawing the, the, a blank. The guy who was rapping Jeezy on the sidelines. That's what yes. I know him for. I don't know yeah, him. For, dude, I don't know him for throwing touchdowns, but the yeah, guy can rap the hell out of some young Jeezy. So he's okay in my book, terrible. I guess. But um, but yeah, it was between him and, and and Gino and Gino. You know, West Virginia Gino came came to life. So I, I was happy to see West Virginia Gino back. But this looked like a prime spot for a quarterback to go to Seattle because they could play him behind West Virginia Gino and let that quarterback, like an Anthony Richardson, develop slow cook him. You know what I'm saying? And then yep. let him take the job when he's ready. There's no pressure. He's not the number one pick. He's not there to save the franchise. He's coming to a stable situation. Like, this is a great spot for a quarterback. The problem is four quarterbacks have gone off your board, Mark. Yep. So what now? That's what so that's 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 where you have to pivot. When you get into a situation where uh where things aren't going the way you want to, especially on the draft board, you need to pivot. You need to be you need to have a backup plan. And, I, and with Seattle, Seattle uh, proved last year that they're that they are one of the uh, one of the premier teams at being able to pivot on the fly. And last year they went. Uh, you forgot to mention with all the draft the draft class that they that they had last year, their biggest success, uh, excuse me success came from them getting their right tackle and their left tackle in the same draft. To me, that was absolutely uh, the home run of home runs for them. That's what allowed Geno Smith to have the success that he had. You also, and also Kenneth Walker to have the success that he had on the ground. They had their book. They got their bookend tackles in the same draft, and and quite honestly, th- that's the same approach that the Philadelphia Eagles have went with throughout the years. They start in, they they start from the inside out. They start from their lines and build around, around everything else. For, for this case with Seattle, their biggest need, their biggest problem, is the defensive tackle position. To me, the, the best defensive tackle in this draft is Jalen Carter from Georgia. And, and I'm quite sure you'll get into some of the issues that Jalen Carter Oh yeah. Has well, you might as well just go there now. You might as well just go there Let's now. Let's do it. Just go ahead and get Jalen Carter... 
uh, got fat. Right? <laughs> got fat. Like after the championship, yeah. got fat, put on some weight. Did, couldn't even finish uh-huh. conditioning drills at, at the at the pro day. The pro day, which I talked about before, was is made to make him look good. He didn't look good. He's the first player ever to f up his own pro day. Okay. <laughs> and then was he not also involved in in the accident that took place? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. So there was a the tragic accident that took place. A, lo- a life was lost. One or two lives. At least one was a Georgia staffer. A young lady lost her life, and and he was involved in that. Was he driving that car? How did that? What was the deal with that? He was not driving the car that that uh, ended up killing them. I believe it. He was the car. He was with them in another car, and mm-hmm. he fled the scene after after the fact that that uh, after that incident happened. And so these are questions. These are flags all up and down, man. Fleeing the scene is bad enough. Okay, um, that's one thing. That's like a character thing. You know, in that situation, you know, I mean, again, these are people that he knew, you know, lives ended up lo- were lost and then he fled the scene or whatever. And then, uh, and then he got fat, Mark. I mean, like that, like this is the one time in your life where you like, <laughs> like you got one shot just to be in shape for the draft. So you don't fumble the bag. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no bag fumbling allowed between January 1st. And April 28th or whatever it is. Like, you have to be in the best shape of your life. And he couldn't even do that. The talent jumps off the TV screen. Yes, but, he does. But, but, but then there's this stuff. So what is it with D-tackles being head cases? I don't know what that's about. But anyway. I don't know. So, so, so you're, you're still comfortable with Seattle pivoting towards Carter, I take it. The only reason why I say that. And this may sound corny and cheesy, is because Pete Carroll is the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. No, I think if anybody, if, if anybody who can, who can get into this kid's head and get him straight and get him on the right page is Pete Carroll. Because Pete Carroll, even though he's like eighty five years old, he still he has the mind of a, he has the mentality of a kid. He's still out there. He enjoys the game of football, and I think at the end of the day, for him. I think he he's a, he's an outstanding motivator. He understands his team probably better than than any coach in the National Football League. Probably with the exception of maybe Mike Tomlin. He understands his roster better than any coach in the, in the league. And he relates to his players un, unlike any other coach in the league as well. And I think he he has the ability to get through to this kid because if if any coach is able to get through to this kid and and get him to understand how serious and, and how how lucrative the NFL could be for him, this kid will be a monster. Because he has defensive player of the year uh, talent all over him. He has, quite honestly, he has Hall of Fame talent. And it's just a matter of, of, of him channeling that and actually, uh, you know, get, get somebody getting in his ass and making him play play football the way he's supposed to play. Because when he's motivated, when he is when he is on, he is a, he can absolutely dominate the game by himself, and he's and, done that on so many occasions. Yeah, and, and and to be fair, if you're keeping it a buck, if there's one, <laughs> why you laugh? <laughs> if there's one person who knows something about fleeing a crime scene, it's Pete Carroll. <laughs> it's Pete Carroll, old sticky Pete. Get out the back door, USC. We didn't forget, Pete. We didn't forget. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. It was sitting right there, Mark. It's like <laughs> Pete Carroll's is college fleeing the scene. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh my uh, God. Picking six oh. um, are the Detroit Lions. Oh um, man. Yeah, the Detroit Lions. They also oh, pick 18th, God. by the way. This yeah. is their pick that they got from the Rams after their catastrophe of a season. This is what happens when Jeez. you push all your chips on the table in the hopes to win a Super Bowl. Lucky for the Rams, they won it because then it all fell apart last year. And they yes, uh, it was the worst title defense probably in NFL history. And the Lions <laughs> benefited from it because they have the sixth pick in the draft. Dan Campbell survived all them damn kneecap jokes. And yep. he got this team to be 8-9. and nine. They started 1-6, and six, Mark. And then yes, they, they finished... Did. And they finished eight and two with booking W's against the Packers. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, Jared Goff was solid. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown was great. They had a lot of yep. success with their running backs. Uh, Jamal Williams, who's not there anymore, but he led the league in rushing touchdowns. He was a fantasy football owner's dream. Jamal Williams. Yeah. Yes, he was. And and then they went out. They they let him go, but then they added David Montgomery, taking away from their own division rival in Chicago and then they went out and they added CJ Gardner Johnson to improve the back end secondary as well um, even though they traded away Jeff Okuda uh, so what for the Lions then now because they, they're on the cusp of a, of a playoff berth yes they are um, I think with with the Lions um, a lot of their a lot of their players have, have, have they've been also very good at drafting too the last couple of years you know, some of their young their young talent started to, to emerge um, in Detroit, and and as much as people you know, include myself, got on Dan Campbell. I mean, he's a heck of a coach. He gets these kid, he gets his team fired up, and, and and gets them to play their best football. And at the, at the second half of the year, he he got them to play their best football. Problem is, there's uh there's 17 games in the season, and he has to understand that. You know, football doesn't start in in, uh, in November. It starts in, in September. And he missed the golden opportunity to make the playoffs because of how he started the season at the, at the beginning of the season, the first half of the season. So uh, with with the with Detroit, they need a lot of different things. Not a ton of not a ton of things. Um, they need uh, edge rushers and defensive linemen and tight ends and probably another corner since they let Jeff Okuda go um, and probably uh, offensive line they probably need another guard or two um, but for me if I'm if I'm the Lions at six I'm taking Will Anderson Jr. the outside linebacker slash edge rusher rusher excuse me from Alabama um, because you, because Aiden Hutchinson is going to need some additional help to try to uh, get to the quarterback and and, and make plays um, they need another star on defense, in my opinion, and I think uh, Will Anderson Jr. could be that guy for them. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that if Will Anderson Jr. is still on the board for them here, they are doing backflips, right? I, I would agree. Like, like I mean, he is Will Anderson Jr., 6'4", 253, Jr. He's pretty much the consensus best prospect in this draft. Um, it seems like for most people. And so yep. you get to put him with Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. That is formidable. Dangerous. It's, it's hazardous. It's hazardous 
to the health <laughs> yes, of the other yeah. quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFC North. So, I mean, that is, yeah. I mean, like, like he, uh, you know, this is the beauty of having your quarterback situation at least somewhat figured out is that if you're picking high in the draft and you know all these other teams are going to be reaching for these quarterbacks, this this could fall into place. Um, yep. All right, seventh, we got the Las Vegas Raiders. Shout out to our cousin Mike and my pops living in Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, Vegas just stole another team. That's what they do, and that's what they do. They, they, they that's why they, that's why they got the silver and black, so they can just act like bandits. I mean, they, they are bandits. I mean, jack they, everybody. They just, yeah, they just <laughs> stole the baseball jack team. They the teams. Yeah, right. I mean, I think they got a. They they got a hockey team the legitimate way, and then everything else it was the ski mask way. They like of it, you know. We we just going we just gonna get it how we live out here. Vegas getting it out the mud, stealing baseball teams, stole the football team, um, let Derek Carr go, but right. they kind of missed out on Rodgers and Brady, and they had to settle for Jimmy Garoppolo to pair with Josh McDaniels. Josh Jacobs, his situation is up in the air. Where they got a they had an impasse with his contract. Devontae Adams is there. Darren Waller's gone. I don't know what direction this team is going in. They were 6-11, and 11 and they have no identity. I mean, they, they seem like they kind of had an identity with, with Josh Jacobs, but, like, again, Josh Jacobs might not want to be there anymore. And so, and you know Jimmy G, is, he's, he's a tackle away from getting hurt again. Like, the guy's always hurt. Like he's, uh, what, he, what Jimmy G is as a quarterback, is debatable. We, Jimmy Garoppolo, we can debate the merits of what, what he is as a QB all day long. What's not debatable is the guy can't right. stay on the field. So uh, he is yes, the Anthony facts. Davis of the NFL from a <laughs> notoriety and availability perspective. So with that said, yeah. So what? So with that said, what ought they their Raiders do at the seventh spot? Quite honestly, they need to fire Josh McDaniels, but that, that's a whole nother story. I mean, no, you Josh are running McDaniels, the team, Mark. You are running the team. I'm just saying. I mean, he would not be my. He would not be my coach to begin with. And then and he just goes in a long line of Belichick disciples who are absolute terrible head coaches. <laughs> it's and a it's lot just, of them. It's just proven. It's just proven. And this and this and this guy and this guy. Some people just need to understand where their lane is. He's a very good offensive mind. And he's, but he is nothing more than a coordinator. He cannot have more, any more responsibility than just being a coordinator on one side of the football. He just can't. But that's their biggest problem. And that's why, uh, quite honestly, the Raiders are not going to go anywhere with this guy as their head coach. But be that as it may, the way the Raiders are, are currently constructed, their, their, their biggest issue has been on the back end of their defense. Because they've been getting torched by uh, their corners have been getting torched by a lot of uh, a lot of the guys, in particular in their own division, in the in the, in the, uh, in the AFC West. They've been they've been torching the Raiders uh, secondary a lot, uh, so they're gonna need to get better there. Uh, uh, particularly uh, since all the quarterbacks are gone, they can't really focus on that. Um, at some point, they're gonna have to address. Uh, dress that position, and because Jimmy G is not long for that for that position there. But for right now, they need a stability in the in the backfield of their defense. So I'm looking at Devin Weather uh, Witherspoon from uh, Illinois, 
the corner and have, have him uh, place with the Raiders because uh, at least with him, he's uh, he's not only a playmaker in at that position, but he also is physical enough where he's going to make tackles. And that's one of the things that that uh, Ra- Raiders corners, if they if they weren't getting torched, they were missing tackles, and they need some somebody who's going to be a solid cornerback cornerback for them. And that's where I think the Raiders should go. Uh, and that's uh, Devin Witherspoon. So I, I support uh, Witherspoon because he is he's well he's a Big Ten guy. But he's also an Illinois guy, and and I, I now live in the great state of Illinois. It's not as great as Ohio, but it's the great state of Illinois. <laughs> it's the <Sorry>. great state. <laughs> uh, it's a slightly less great state of Illinois, and yeah. so and and so I, I root for Witherspoon. I, I like to see him succeed. Um, he, he he seems to kind of. I don't know. Like I don't know if physically he compares to Sauce Gardner. But he's, you know, from what people say about him, he's kind of got that kind of mentality about him. Yeah. And, and he's kind of a heady player and he kind of knows what's what, you know what I'm saying? He's got good size, six feet, 181. Um, and I mean, I mean, just read up on him. He's a former zero star recruit out of yep. Pensacola. That's, that's pretty impressive to go from that to this. So the guy's got some work ethic about him. And so, and you know, Assuming he's a good character guy, which I, from all accounts, it seems like he is. Yep. That's what the Raiders need because the Raiders have been a joke of a franchise the last several years. Derek Carr has been the only thing holding them together. And Correct. the problems that this team has had, I mean, even though they made the playoffs, uh, not this past year, but the year prior, when you just look at, what's happened um, with the, with the Henry rug situation and uh, the defensive back that, that went to Ohio state that was there that they lost, that he fell off. Uh, what was his name? Mark, help me out. Which, which, which one were you talking the, about? The, the, the defensive back that went to Ohio state that was drafted oh, uh, by the Raiders, um, uh, uh, David uh, Arnett. Right. Yeah. Was it, was it Arnett? Yeah. Um, oh, Conley. Well, b- was it Conley, okay. Jer- Jer- Jaron Conley. So it was it was both of them. Yeah, it was you know what? It I don't even think of them. Yeah, well, Conley's I don't even think he's on the team anymore. Nope. And and he's and, not. and Arnett had some like real like off the field problems as I recall. It's just been a mess there. Like that's all you need to know. It's been a mess for the Raiders. They need some grown ups in the room over there. Exactly. They that's that's kind of my point. They need some grown ups that are about football. And you know, I'm not again, not to say that he's gonna be sauce, but we saw the impact that Sauce Gardner had on that Jets defense, not only from a on-field perspective, but from a swagger perspective. Like it helped them immensely, and they need some kind of adult in the room, and that would be a solid pick. I feel like for the Raiders, just make it quick, be quiet, you know, move on, just shut the hell up, make your pick, move on. You know, don't don't get any. Uh, you know, this is what happens when you have a football team in Las Vegas. I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Falcons pick eighth. Mm-hmm. What on earth are they doing at quarterback? They they had Marcus Mariota. They let him go. He's now backing up the richest man in football, Jalen Hurts, which um which is a great pickup for the Eagles for for uh for their backup spot. And now they're down to Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke as their quarterbacks, and all the yep. quarterbacks are off the board again. The carousel, the music has stopped, and all the chairs are gone. 
and, and they're just left standing there with their with their with their with their palms up. Like, uh, I don't know. So and they kind of fell into this run first identity under Arthur Smith, who came from Tennessee, who used to run the ball with Derrick Henry all the time, and they had a right. nice kind of power run game last year. But we're still waiting on like you know, but then they had to get rid of Calvin Ridley last year. And, you know, then we don't – Kyle Pitts, like, never turned into what we thought he was going to be. He's like the – this generation's Kellen Winslow. Not, like, from a off-field perspective, but just from, like, a tight end who had all the tools that everybody thought was going to be great and it just wasn't. Like, Kyle Pitts just hasn't been that yet. And so um, they did add Scotty Miller, Bowling Green Falcon and Super Bowl champion. Scotty Miller is now an Atlanta Falcon. He's a Falcon again. There we go. He's a Falcon again, so I root Falcon for Scotty Miller. <laughs> but they also added Jesse Bates and Jeff Okuda and Calais Campbell, and you know, so they're making moves. But I don't know without the quarterback with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, I don't know what they're doing. I would guess that Heineke would start, but what should they do with the eighth pick? Well, we've already discussed the fact that there's no quarterback that's 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 out there that unless they want to get Hendon Hooker involved. Hendon Hooker. Which, yeah. by the way, I didn't even know he was 25 until like two weeks ago. Yeah, he's, he's no cat, man. Guy went, that guy went to high school with me. He was, <laughs> he was, he was a freshman. I was a senior, nah. But um, so yeah, so so what should the Falcons be? What should they do here? <laughs> they they, you gotta go with something that you that you know you can use at this point. Um, no sense in, ma- in making any gambles. They, they have to find out if Desmond Ritter's any good. So they probably what they're going to do is probably going to try to build build enough uh, players around around Ritter and hopefully build an offense. But for right now, I will focus on the defense. Uh, for me, they need they need edge help. They need cornerback help, um, offensively uh, defensive tackle help, and on offense they need running back help and wide receiver help. For me, just to try to keep it simple, I mean, you want to get the, in my opinion, the the next best defensive player on the board. For me, it's Nolan Smith, the outside linebacker from Georgia. Um, get him out there, make put him in position to make plays. I, I, I mean, to me, it's a no brainer at this point. You got to get football players right now. The Falcons don't have football players, and they need is many football players as they can get. Nolan Smith is one of those guys. So that's where I would go with. It'd be nice to to keep him home. You know, Georgia Bulldog playing for the Falcons, that's a nice story. Um, yeah. He's coming off an injury, though, Mark. I understand. I mean, that's, you know, it's always a tough sell. It's always a problem. Always a problem. Yeah, I but mean. His, he, talent, his talent is is is... I mean, they're not like I said; they're not winning anything anytime soon, anyway. And you and when is and I don't think that the, his injury is anything career threatening. So when this guy is when this guy is healthy, he could he could very well be your best your best player on defense and probably one of your two to three best players on your roster. Period. Um, this this kid this kid has the potential to really be a special player, and he, well, here's the thing: he he had three sacks last year, so it's not like you know he racked up a ton of sacks. There was three sacks in eight games. No, and he and, didn't. and Georgia, we we talked about uh, Carter already being on that line. 
Mm-hmm. And, and we know they had your boy that went to Jacksonville last year with the number one pick on that same defensive front during Walker. Yes, exactly. During Nolan Smith's time at Georgia. Mm-hmm. So they rotate a lot of dudes on that defensive line. And Smith is a little undersized. It's a risky pick. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. I'm just saying he's a little undersized. He's coming off an injury. He played on a defensive line that had a lot of depth, a lot of NFL caliber depth to it. And, you know, that's 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 that, I guess. I mean, if, if he's your deck's highest rated defensive player, hey, more power to you. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not good or anything like that. I'm just saying it's it, there's some there's some red flags to be had with that selection. Uh, so ninth would be the Chicago Bears who traded back. This is the Carolina Panthers' former pick, the ninth pick when they moved Correct. up. They moved up to number one. You have them saying they should take CJ Stroud. It's probably going to be Bryce Young. But um, what do the Bears do at nine? Remember, mind you, the Bears don't have a pick at the top of the second round because they stupidly traded it for bum-ass Chase Claypool. So, and they haven't had an effective passing game since the 1930s. Okay? I think I think the new deal was being signed the last time they had <laughs> a good passing game in Chicago. So, um, Jesus. you know, they broke the bank on some linebackers there, uh, TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, but they need a lot of work on offense. So h- how are we going to get Justin Fields some help? Well, the first thing Justin Fields needs, in my opinion, is somebody who can protect his blind side. I mean, at the end of the day, for him, the the poor kid was running for his life a lot. In order for the the Bears, and I think that's why I think this this trade that they made with Carolina is huge, because it allows them to to get, fill in some, some holes that they have, particularly on the offensive line. Because they weren't able to run the ball consistently. They weren't able to, uh, Justin Fields wasn't able to throw the ball consistently because he didn't have time to really do anything. He was literally running for his life. I felt bad for the kid because it just, it, and it angered me because this kid has talent, yet they was throwing, the, the Chicago fans was, uh, was throwing him under the bus a little bit as the reason why they weren't winning. And it's clear that he was, He's a microcosm of of something that's been horrible with this franchise for the longest time at quarterback. It just they just have. When Jay Cutler is your is your franchise leading uh, a leader and a lot of records at quarterback, you're in trouble. You have a bad situation. And with I think Justin Field has the ability to really be a good quarterback for them. He's just going to need time. He's going to need patience, and he's going to have to have a, a, a coaching staff that's going to believe in him. So for me, they're going to need to get better on offensive line. And what better place to go than offensive tackle? And to me, why not give him a, a, a college uh, college teammate and pair him up with Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle from the Ohio State University? So that's this is cool, right? Because it's, it's nice that he's, like you said, Play with Paris Johnson in college at Ohio State, and what's what's nice about this again? It goes back to what I mentioned earlier. If you already have your quarterback and you're picking at the top of the draft, a lot of things can easily fall into place. I think Justin Fields is going to be good. I think he's been good. I think he will be better. I think he has 
Jalen Hurts potential, the way we saw Jalen just jump up a level, I think Fields can do that if things fall into place around him. And it does start with getting him some protection. And at this stage, you have your pick because no offensive linemen have gone off the board yet. So you got the ninth pick, mm-hmm. and you can pick any offensive lineman you want in the entire draft. And you get the number one guy because you already selected your quarterback. So that's kind of cool for them. Uh, Paris Johnson would make a solid pick. And the Eagles are picking 10th. So this is a pick that they got from New Orleans. I don't even remember from what trade that is off the top of my head. But I don't either. But uh, the Eagles also have the – I can't remember. Yeah, they also have the 30th pick. So the Eagles are just crushing it. I mean, they went to the NFC time. Now, granted, they, they did seem a little fugazi. Let's let's keep it a let's keep it a hundred now. They were a little <laughs> fugazi in that they won all those games in the regular season. They weren't really getting challenged. They didn't really play anybody good good in the last month of the season because it was all everything. The whole NFC was locked up for them, so they didn't have to play right. any real games. They got to buy in the first round. They come out. They play the Giants in their first playoff game at home. That's nothing. Then they get San Francisco okay. with with my man Brock Purdman Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> That he ends up breaking his hand on like the first pass of the game, and then that that threw everything in the into the yeah, into the, the blender for for San Francisco. So they weren't they got all the way to the Super Bowl without even being challenged. And then what happened? Oh, they get there and oops, they forgot that they didn't know how to stop Patrick Mahomes. They couldn't stop they couldn't stop a nosebleed in that game. And so uh, offensively they were straight. Defensively maybe not as good as they appeared. So, but like I said, they're sitting pretty man, and they just inked up Jalen Hurts to this new deal. Um, they've lost some pieces. They lost Miles Sanders. They lost some coordinators, as we discussed. But what can they gain from this pick? With the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the biggest problems that they had last year is that despite the fact that they had a very good offensive line, they had Jalen Hurts, who was having a, I guess for lack of a better term, an MVP-type season. Miles Sanders was a decent running back. He wasn't spectacular. And for despite the fact that they had one of the best offensive line in football, they really had a hard time controlling the line of scrimmage at times with the running game. Most, if they needed to control the line of scrimmage with the running game, it was with Jalen Hurts. It wasn't necessarily with Miles Sanders. Now that Miles Sanders is gone, and everybody talks about it being taboo, but to me, they need the more. Uh, a more dynamic punch at running back and someone who can take the pressure off of Jalen Hurts. To me, that person is B. John Robinson running back from Texas. I watch this kid a lot. Now, now that I'm down here in Texas, I see a lot of, you know, Texas football, which I am mean, at university of Texas football, which I, I must say that uh, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I watch him and I watch this kid tear up, Teams in the Big 12 every single week. The kid not only has the ability to run the football, but he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He is a dynamic football player. At the end of the day, he's a football player. And I think what Philadelphia could use in that position is a football player. He would take a lot of pressure off of Jalen Hurts. He would allow them to change, to not necessarily allow Jalen Hurts to run the ball as much as he has. And it gives them a, a more flexibility and, and and more things that the defense will have to pay attention to. That's why I would go if I was the Philadelphia Eagles, with, especially having two picks, going with B. John Robinson with my first pick at pick number 10. You know, it is taboo 
to take a running back this high, and, and they would get ripped to shreds by the nerds if they took a running back in the top ten. I don't yep. agree with that or subscribe to that belief. I, I believe that if a running back is of an elite level, then you can take him there. Like, I don't see any problem with that. I argue that Barkley should have been the first pick in the 18 draft by the Browns. I stand by that argument to this day. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's, because, in part because the Browns had another pick in the top four, mind Correct. you. Correct. And so this is kind of what you're talking about with the Eagles. They, they have two picks in the first round. So, um, and they, they have a Super Bowl roster. Already now, like, now, granted, they have lost some pieces on the defense, and so I think it's yes, far yeah. more likely that they try to replenish the defense at that ten spot than taking Bijan Robinson. But I, I'm not mad at this pick. I, I like it. I, I think it um, gives their offense a little more versatility, um, and it it like you said helps protect in some ways Jalen Hurts, and they don't have to lose that element of Eagles. The Eagles were a dynamic rushing attack last year, and Miles Sanders was the face of it, and he's gone now. And so mm-hmm. unless you want your $700 million quarterback taking a thousand hits, you probably need a running back in there that can sustain and that can stand up to the punishment. And Bijan Robinson, it appears like he could do that. So they did bring in Rashad Penny. We should point that out. True. The, the Eagles did bring him, but he's coming off injury. So, you know. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not as high on Rashad Rashad Penny as I was probably two years ago. I really, I really thought he was going to be a, a one of those dynamic running backs in this league, and he just he either can't stay healthy or he just hasn't proved it. I I'm not going to hold much stock in Rashad in Rashad Penny to be that that bell cow running back all of a sudden. I'm I'm just not. So, so to recap the 2023 mark draft. The Panthers, picking first, take C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. The Texans, picking second, take Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. The Cardinals, trade the pick at three to the Tennessee Titans. The Titans trade up and draft Anthony Richardson, breaking the hearts of millions of people in Naptown. Mike Epps, Vivica Fox, devastated. (laughs) All right? Um... (laughs) <laughs> Anthony Richardson going number three to the Titans. Number four, the ti- or the Colts now stuck with Will Levis. Apologies for being stuck with Will Levis. Number five, the Seahawks. Jalen Carter is the pick for them. Number six, that's the defensive tackle out of Georgia, by the way. Number six, Will Anderson. Uh, pass rusher from Alabama. Great pick for the Lions there at six. The Raiders at seven are going to take uh, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois. The Falcons ought to take Nolan Smith, edge rusher from Georgia. Paris Johnson Jr. paired with his college teammate Justin Smith in Chicago now as the Bears take him nine at nine. And B. John Robinson, the Texas running back, going 10 to the Eagles. That's a solid, solid Mark draft. Now, Mark, I don't know what the hell it took the Jets and Packers so long to consummate this Aaron Rodgers trade, but damn it, it happened today. So I guess we don't have to hear about that anymore. <laughs> right. I don't know what there's waiting on. I guess he's wants to wait till they get closer to the draft. I haven't even seen the exact compensation. I know some picks got exchanged or whatever, but yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers following in Brett Favre's footsteps in every conceivable way 
which means he will be a Minnesota Viking next year. Um, yes, he will. <laughs> um, the Ravens still haven't signed Lamar Jackson, or Lamar Jackson still fighting with the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are a joke of a franchise at this point for what they've done with this Lamar situation. And as, mar- as much as anybody wants to blame the Browns for it, this is on the Ravens. This is on All the Ravens. This is not the Browns' fault. You, you, nobody can convince me that the Browns made a bad decision by not only going out and getting their quarterback of the future, but then also destroying a team within their own division that they couldn't beat before. Like, I don't see how this is any way a bad thing for the Browns. And speaking of the Browns, Mark. Yes, sir. The Browns don't pick until the third round, pick 74, in a pick that they got back in the Elijah Moore trade. They also pick 98th, which is a compensatory pick at the end of the third round. There are some Browns fans that are like, don't know what to do with themselves because the Browns don't pick until the third round. And I don't understand that. I feel like they should be doing backflips because that signifies the fact that they found their quarterback of the future finally for the first time in 30 years. I don't see how any of this is bad. As a Browns fan, I am thrilled to not be picking on Thursday night. Um, I agree. But, but so, Mark, what do you want to see the Browns do with their draft? You can give me, I don't know if you have a name at 74 or just general directions that you want to see from them as we wrap up the Mark draft. Okay, so general directions for for the, for the Browns. One of the things that even with all of the offseason moves that they've had, um, the fact that they don't have to look for a quarterback, uh, they're, they still have, a, a, in my opinion, a glaring need at linebacker. Because you look at all... It, Every single linebacker on the Browns that started the year uh, for them on the defensive side at linebacker were all injured last year and missed significant time. And in my opinion, they need to get younger at that position. However, with them, looking at their draft, they have uh, two third-round picks, two fourth-round picks, two fifth-round picks, a a six and a seven. So they have a total of eight picks. They're not drafting eight rookies. But I'm going to just put that out there right now. Probably they're going to use probably a minimum of three. And the most they'll use is five picks. The other picks they'll trade away and try to use them. Uh, try to get higher selections for next year. Uh, so it's not like, for example, a sixth round pick. They'll trade it for a fifth round next year. They'll do something like that. Um, so I don't foresee them drafting eight, eight rookies. That's, that's not going to happen. So in my opinion, there's not many linebackers that's out there, but if they have a, have an ability to use those, uh, some combination of these picks and move back into the late second, a guy that I really like is Jack Campbell from Iowa. 6'5, 246, middle linebacker. And I think in Jim, in, in Jim Schwartz's scheme, I think he will do wonders at the middle linebacker position. Because right now, I mean, they have Anthony Walker, but he signed on a one-year deal, and he's light, he's light in the pants for, you know, as much as I like his leadership and I like and like the fact of how he plays, the, the his his uh, his frame and the way he is as a linebacker is not built for the for the AFC North. It's built for for these teams that's using dime packages and things like that, like uh, Joe Woods was using. It's not necessarily a good fit, but right now he's the best that they have, so they'll probably end up uh, keeping him. But I, I think somebody like uh, Jack Campbell will be 
well in the wings. Uh, they do need a wide receiver. Two wide receivers I like are Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, especially since they're drafting in the third. Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, I think that's also another one. But I also have one more, and I'll get to that in just a second. Defensive tackle, they can always use another defensive tackle. Name I keep hearing is Javon Dexter from Florida. 6'6", 315 pounds, is a big guy. Um, uh, but he he has some some uh, some motor-type issues. So if you get him in the third round, it's not something that's going to kill you. Um, or the fourth round or later, or later in, uh, the later rounds. Um, I think with the loss of Kareem Hunt, the loss and, um, whoever, whoever was the, uh, other running back that, that the Browns had, I, for whatever reason, his name uh, escapes me. Uh, Dearness Johnson, that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. Or third, so, third yeah. string back. Third string back. They need a running back. I'm not 100% sold on, on Jerome Ford being that guy behind Nick Chubb. Um, a guy that I like uh, that they probably can sneak and, or steal in the third round is Easy Easy Abenconda from uh, Pittsburgh, the 5'11", 215-pound back. They're going to need some somebody who is who has the same type of shiftiness and dynamic ability like Chubb has. And, you know, because at some point, you know, Nick Chubb won't be on this team forever. And I would say within the next two years, they will probably consider trading him or, or letting him go uh, once his deal goes. Um, they also need safety, cornerback. Uh, there's one offensive lineman that I, I, I would love for the Browns to get. Um, he's injured right now, so he's basically going to have a red shirt year. But if you get him in like, if he falls like the fifth or sixth round, I would snatch him up in a heartbeat because he has first round or second round talent. And that's Andrew Voorhees, the the uh, guard. He played tackling at USC, but he's more of a guard in the NFL. Right now, you're you have two of the highest paid guards in football, and that you can't spend that much money on two guards. Um, you got Joel Petonio, and you have Wyatt Teller. You're not going to be able to spend that much money on two guards going forward. So you're going to need a, a a blue chipper that's going to be able to take take over. And with him being injured, you have opportunity to get him as a steal later in the draft. And hopefully you get to redshirt him and he comes back next year. And you, you may be able to move a, a, a teller or a Batonio, uh, going forward. Um, but I have one person that I have that it's more of a personal thing for me. Um, if the Browns are able to get this kid out, to me, it would be ecstatic for a lot of different reasons. And I'm going to give you this name. This name of this uh, individual is Trey Tucker from Cincinnati. Trey Tucker, why am I talking about this kid? He's probably going to be in the NFL, probably a fourth wide receiver. You know, if he's drafted all, he's, he's projected to be a, a fourth or a fifth rounder. But here's my thing with Trey Tucker. I've known or have seen Trey Tucker play football since he was in the seventh grade. He went to uh, Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy with uh, with my kids when I lived in Ohio. He uh, he grad he uh, played football with my oldest son Terrell, and he ran track with my um, oldest daughter Talia. He actually graduated with Talia in 2019, but he holds uh, a lot of records at CBCA. He has the most touchdowns in the season of 30 uh, with 31. 
Um, that, uh, that is the most at CVCA history. He is second all time in touchdowns. Um, career touchdowns. I, uh, he's tied with 65, but in, in points scored, he is second all time in uh, CVCA history. And a lot of, t- and he played in the, as a slot receiver slash, uh, wildcat, uh, wildcat, uh, running back. He, he has elite speed. His biggest, his biggest attribute is his speed. And yeah, he's a master of one trade there. Yeah. <laughs> he's a master of being he's fast. Master, he's a master of speed. His, uh, which showed on the track team as well. Um, one of the things he did, uh, he was on, he was the anchor on the four by 100 relay team that went to, that went in one state. His niche in the NFL will be on special teams. Right now we have Jakeem Grant at, yes. at a high price, high price quote-unquote pro bowler at that position. What better way to cut some dollars if you get this kid to come in and he wins his job in camp? I mean, and I think, honestly, I I, I don't put much stock in in uh, in a whole bunch of players, but when you actually seen this kid play as much as I have, I know that this kid can make a difference at the NFL level. And one other note, just uh, just to, just to let you know, because of his track history, he actually uh, actually ran against Mike Tomlin's son doing a, a track meet and actually beat him in a track meet. So my only fear with all of this is that he gets selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers and we have to play uh, him twice a year. Yeah, I can this see that kid, This kid lives in Akron and he grew up a Browns fan. To me, there's there's no other great hometown story than to have this kid stay here. Give us so, a, give us a kid's name again. Trey Tucker is his name. Trey Trey Tucker. We'll keep we'll keep tabs on Trey Tucker here at the preseason podcast of the year and on hiphopsportsreport.com. dot com. Um, thank you, Mark, for that, and thank you for uh, everything you had to say about the. Uh, let me just say this real quick before we get out of here. I am. Yeah. You know, I always root for the Browns, of course, and I, and maybe I, you know, just out of talking out of my, uh, heart or possibly my ass instead of my <laughs> head and mouth. Yeah. Uh, I'm always confident that they're going to do reasonably well, maybe better than what they normally do. I, Mark, I can't tell you how bullish I am on the Browns this year. I honestly think this is the year. This is the year where the Browns win the division. Go to the playoffs, you know, make everybody look stupid for clowning them the last several years, all of that stuff. I really believe it. Like when I look at the roster, this roster is pretty damn solid outside yes, of the linebacker is. position. So if that first pick is a linebacker, I'm not going to be mad at it. We would have said receiver, but they added Elijah Moore. They added Marquise Goodwin. They may be done adding burners there, but I want, I needed two burners at the receiver spot and they added them. Um, I would not be mad if they got a pass rusher with that first third round pick. Uh, so give me a pass rusher or a linebacker. I think I'll be happy. Um, but Najoku broke out. Chubb is Chubb. Uh, the, the receiving room is looking much better than what it looked like before. Uh, they, they added Dalvin Tomlinson to help shore up the run defense. I mean, I feel like it's falling into place and it's all going to be, it's all going to fall into place once Deshaun Watson looks like Deshaun Watson again, which I am confident he will. Next season, and so great. Yo, pressure cooks pipes. Pressure, pressure either busts pipes or cooks hands 
So yeah, point, I mean, it, one of those two things are going to happen. It's gonna work. I mean, it's gonna work. Stefanski, I said it a million times. He is coached with a straight jacket on the last couple of years <laughs> with 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 these Brissett and Mayfield and and Nick Mullins and these and and Case Keenum and these guys. He's got the Sean freaking Watson now and. Yeah. We're going to see what Stefanski looks like with that caliber of a quarterback for a full offseason, a full season. All the noise is gone, all that other stuff. We ain't got to worry about none of that. You know, no, none of the distractions. Odell's gone. None of this foolishness. No court cases, none of that. Nah. All focus. The Browns are winning the division this year. Book it. Mark Hicks, thank you. This is Jay Hicks. Please get, get at us on Twitter at HHS Report. Find us on Facebook. Like, rate review subscribe to the podcast all of that we appreciate all the love come holla at us sometime it's the mark draft 2023 mark thank you one more time cousin love you love y'all thank you for listening we out of here peace peace